guys. It's me, Michael Garrison, your host of Dear Dio Podcast. I know it's been a minute. Right now I am doing, you know, neurology requires eight months of internal medicine for ACGME guidelines. And so my schedule is all in the hands of the internal medicine world. And so I've been on the medical ICU. I will be hopefully having a more kind of chill rotation after this one. Um, And then we pick it right back up, baby. So um, for the foreseeable future, it'll be every other week. But I have such amazing people guest guest appearing on this podcast upcoming, and I'm super excited about it. So today we have Dr. Max Jump, such a good dude. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. And then next week we have Dr. Ashley Hamadi, who is a legend and absolutely amazing. So I'm super excited for the future. If you haven't yet, give a five-star rating and review. Follow me on Instagram at dear.do.pod. That way you can see kind of my personal journey through residency. I give some tips. I give what I'm learning, things like that. There are so many things I feel like I'm learning every single freaking day. So check that out if you haven't yet. And let me know. Interact with me. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you what you liked, what you didn't like. I love the crit- criticism. As long as it's constructive, guys, we are here to be respectful. Um, so now that all of that is out of the way, let me talk to you a little bit about what you guys are going to be hearing on today's episode. So this week, like I said, I had Dr. Max Jump, DO. He actually graduated with me at LMUDCOM this past May. Um, We talk about internal medicine and preventative medicine a little bit because those are his passions. Um, I do mess up in the actual recording a little bit. I said family medicine, but he is actually doing internal medicine, not family medicine, with plans to do ambulatory medicine after his internal medicine residency. Just for some background, Max Jump was the student government president of my class for every year of my medical school journey. Um, he was a very active advocate for the student body, and he's just a great human. Every time that I had a concern in medical school and I took it to him, I knew that I was in good hands. I knew that I was being heard. I knew that he would take that information and bring it to the right people in order to enact change. Amazing. So in this episode, he talks about his role as a student body president, impacted his study routine, how he learned to be efficient at studying, all while maintaining a fulfilling personal life. Um, Spoiler alert, he actually just got engaged right before graduation or right after match. Um, And We got down to the logistics of how he stayed organized. This wasn't just a, oh, you have to have effective time management. No, we talked about what kind of planners, what kind of apps on your phone you can get, um, all of the things. So stay tuned for that. And this was a conversation that I learned a ton from because I did not use anything in medical school to stay organized. I kind of just took it one day at a time. And I'm learning that you can't really do that in residency. So I am actually enacting a lot of the things that I learned from this conversation in my first week of residency. So please, please, please enjoy this episode, all of this and more after the break. Alrighty, so today we have Dr. Max Jump, DO, incoming PGY1 family medicine resident, and just for a little bit of background, um, Max is amazing. I'm just going to say that off the bat, out the gate. 
Um, but he was my student body president at my medical school. Um, Max, you were with me in Kingsport for rotations. So much fun. I'm sure that we'll talk a little bit about all of that throughout, you know, some of your journey. But just for some background in your own words, can you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your journey to medicine? Absolutely. Still not used to uh, being called Dr. Jump yet. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully that'll adjust soon. Um, So my name is Max Jump. I am from Chattanooga, Tennessee originally. Um, I um, had a kind of a I guess not the standard journey to medical school, but uh, is becoming more standard. I took two gap years. Um, I went to undergrad uh, in Ohio at Wittenberg University and got my BS in biology um, before coming back home and taking a gap year. I really struggled with the MCAT. That was my, my big barrier to medical school. Um, took a gap year and then went and got my master's at LMU before um, staying at LMU for medical school. Um, the journey was, uh, I at the time was stressed about not being in medical school when I thought I should be, but um, I'm actually very, very thankful for that time that I had. Um, and I think it helped me develop as a person. By the time I got to medical school, I really felt like I was prepared and ready to, to maximize my experience. Nice. Yeah. I think that, you know, you speak for a lot of people with that that one barrier, right? Like, I think most people getting into medical school or applying to medical school, they have that one barrier, those two barriers, and it's super common for it to be the MCAT. How did you like use your gap year to overcome that barrier? My struggle with the MCAT really in undergrad, I didn't feel like I really got any direction. I didn't know what I was doing. I studied for less than a month the first time I took the MCAT and just kind of went in, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I did very poorly. And then during my gap year, I tried to read, honestly, just online what what I should be doing. Um, And it really uh, didn't work out great. Um, I tried to make my own study schedule, really just kind of read the Kaplan books um, and ended up getting the same score. And that's when I actually, oh my gosh. yeah, it was a, uh, it was definitely a, a tough moment uh, in life. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the, uh, the year that I had my master's. I found out about the master's program at LMU um, and then decided to just go for it. I actually got some advice to not do so. Um, the program's really more designed to uh, allow people who didn't do as well during undergrad to prove that they can handle the coursework of med school. Um, it's less designed for people who don't have the MCAT score. Um, but I, I really felt like if I had taken another year off not being in a school setting, I would struggle to get back into the school setting in medical school. So I went for it and um, they put me into an actual course um, and that was a huge difference maker. I brought my MCAT up over 11 points um, and I'll never forget when I got back to score, I was in a biochem class in in the master's and I uh, got the email, walked outside, read it and I cried. I was like, I know I I got the score I needed and and the rest is kind of history. Stayed at uh, LMU and and that journey is stressful. Um, Studying for the MCAT is tough, but um, just stay persistent and you just kind of have to know that you have it in you. And if that's your dream, just you, you'll do what it takes. Definitely. You know, uh, when, when you say that you walked outside, I, I can picture the building that you're talking about. Uh, and I've cried outside of that building too. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, that, that building, the outside of it has seen so many tears, I bet for all sorts of reasons. (laughs) 
Um, so that that did give me give me chills, honestly, hearing that. And I'm glad that, you know, you learned that persistence because, you know, med school is hard. Um, I think that that's like a blanket statement, but learning persistence and dedication from the very get go and like knowing that that's what you need in order to get through is super important. But did you learn anything like about yourself as you were going through the process of applying to med school and in your gap year? Definitely. I, I mean, I think I always knew that I, if I put my mind to something, I can, I can get through it, but it definitely was an experience of having that failure. And, and I guess failure might not even be the right word. Um, but I'll use failure because I think that, uh, you can learn so much from those experiences when you don't get exactly what you think you need at that time. I think learning that life is going to happen. And if you just continue to be yourself and put in the work, you can do anything. Um, that was really the biggest thing for me. It was just that reassurance of, I got that experience. And, and I, I would not have been as involved in medical school as I was if I had not taken those gap years. I wouldn't have been the leader that I felt like I was able to be um, with without those years and uh, de the development and the relationships that I built um, definitely helped. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of are alluding to the next kind of question that I was going to ask, um, alluding to the leadership and stuff like that. So you did well in undergrad. And you did well in medical school as well. How did you manage to get through all of the required med school work while having such a huge role in student government? And were you also super involved in undergrad um, or was this kind of like a new journey for you? Definitely was. It's been something just kind of I've always done. Um, my I'll actually never forget when I was graduating undergrad, my mom said, uh, I can't wait for when you're in medical school and all you do is school just to see how good you are at school. And I <laughs> was like, I can't wait to. And then we laughed at medical school graduation. It was just like, well, I've just accepted that it's my personality. It's something that I really enjoy um, is taking those positions. Um, the balance, the workload, um, in undergrad, I, I was definitely um, very involved. I played uh, college lacrosse at Wittenberg. I was uh, very involved in my fraternity and then also the president of the Interfraternity Council um, and, and lead orientation assistant. So it was just the same kind of that experience in undergrad definitely helped me to manage the uh, workload of medical school with leadership opportunities. Um, but it really just comes down to the time management piece of things. I think that it's so easy to say, uh, a lot less easy to really do um, well. And it just, I, I had an amazing study group. I studied with two of my best friends um, throughout the first two years of medical school. And we didn't have a traditional study uh, pattern. I did not use Anki like a lot of people do. Um, instead, I really just sat in a room with uh, two people or three people, uh, the three of us, and we just had a conversation. We quizzed each other. We went through the PowerPoint slide by slide and we were efficient. We uh, filtered through what was important, what we thought was probably not as important and just learned together. It made the process a lot more fun and enjoyable, less time sitting at a desk in a dark room, um, a lot more personable connection. Um, and I think they, I thank them so much for putting up with the phone calls from all of the deans during our study sessions, interrupting us. But, um, that was definitely a 
a huge thing for me was being strict with our schedule every day. I have to watch the lectures that day. I have to go over the lectures that night. I know I have a meeting at this time. Um, there are certain things that I couldn't control, uh, with the fire department. If there was fires or things like that, um, I had to leave and kind of readjust my schedule, but just making sure that you stay strict, um, and then making time for yourself as well. Um, staying, doing whatever you enjoy, going to the gym was my thing that grounded me. Um, and if I lost that time, I wasn't as efficient when I was actually studying. And so that was a pretty big thing for me just to stay grounded, um, and make sure that my schedule was strict and and not miserable. (laughs) Um, so it is, it is very easy to become miserable if you're not. (laughs) It it is. And, uh, I think that that's one of the most important things I could give any person coming into medical school. The advice on is don't let medical school take over your whole life. It is important. It's incredibly important, but you're still, you need that mental health side of things. You need to make sure that you maintain those other aspects, the relationships in your life, the, um, your physical and mental health. And so definitely a big piece of advice is don't let school get you down. Keep doing those things and it will help you out. And don't let your your whole medical school experience become your main personality trait. I think that that is so easy to happen. Um, you know, I and I've told this story to other people, but I've never mentioned it on the podcast. Um, on my very last rotation, I rotated with someone who was in my class. I knew that they were at the very top of the class. I knew that they were supposedly the smartest person in the class. And I just remember talking to them just very casually. And, you know, we were reflecting on our medical school experience. And I was like, I really loved med school. Like, I love the person that I became. I love the group of people that I surrounded myself with. I love the experiences that I had. And he was just shook. He was like, I hated med school. It was the worst time of my life. I studied for 18 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, just so that I could, you know, kick, kick butt on exams, but I didn't actually enjoy any of my time. And it was all for, for what? Like he didn't want to do something like, like dermatology or ENT or something super competitive. And so he, it was just, it was like really sad in that moment. I felt really sad for them because it, you know, we, we can say, you know, practice your wellness, practice your wellness. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that aren't doing that. Um, and they're not taking that initiative to just, you know, still be a human being, you know, like love your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I definitely think that that's a a common thing is people let it uh, overtake them. And and I feel like you as well were just very blessed. Medical school was some of the best four years of my life. Um, I really feel fortunate to have the people who are around me both in first and second year and in, in third and fourth year and just surrounded myself with good people and had a great time. Definitely. So Back to when I was, when you were kind of talking about your study routine and everything like that, you mentioned that you don't use Anki. That's super triggering, triggering for me. Just kidding. Um, I I love and I admire people that don't use Anki because I don't think that I could have done it without Anki. Um, So I just want to like get a little, little glimpse into like, how did you stay efficient, Uh, especially with two other guys? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, 
turning off cell phones is a big thing. Okay. Um, uh, you got to get your cell phone on do not disturb. I basically just had it so that important people could contact me during that time. Uh, not scrolling through phones when we're studying. When we studied, it was study time. And honestly, calling each other out is one of the biggest things was in a respectful way. But um, let's say I will name drop because it's okay. Uh, so Rob was notorious for, you know, not being able to focus. And so we would just have to be like, Rob, you haven't paid attention in like three minutes. Like we've asked you two questions and you've had to like figure out what we were talking about. Like get it together. I know it's tough. It's been a long day, um, but we got to just, we got to get through this and we've got 30 minutes left. Um, and that typically worked. Um, and just knowing that when we were studying, that's what we were doing. We didn't let the outside world kind of take over. And then we would take breaks uh, and we'd actually just kind of walk around outside if it was nice out um, and just have built-in breaks so that we weren't just straight through nonstop studying. It definitely got harder when we'd have like big lecture days and we're going through a ton of information, but um, it worked really well. And yeah, the Anki, definitely people who have that schedule built in where it's like, I have this many cards. It's a, there's a hard deadline there and that definitely helps people. Um, so it was a different kind of structure, but um, we just set, we need to get through this much information um, and this is how we're going to do it. And it worked well. How did you not find yourself getting into the weeds? I think that this is a really common thing that a lot of med students fall into is like, they don't understand something and then they they dig their rabbit hole. And then before you know it, you spent three hours talking about hypocalcemia when the lecture is actually on something else. Absolutely. That's a great question. And, and whenever we would bring in other people that would come study with us for a little bit of time, um, we would often find ourselves going down more rabbit holes um, and people would not be, we just had to be okay with the unknown sometimes. Um, typically what we would do is if we found ourselves on a topic for longer than five, 10 minutes, we would just cut it and we'd say, all right, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to take the time, go study it on our own. Uh, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, and if we can't figure out the answer, we'll email the professor, try and meet with them and see what they were trying to explain. But it was a learning process. At first, it was a lot less easy to just let go. Um, we you would talk about hypocalcemia for three hours, and uh, you, you said it well. But it is so important because you're not going to know everything the first time through. You're just not. Um, it, it is a learning process. You are constantly learning new things and some things just aren't going to click and you just have to let that go and come back to it because sometimes it takes that night to let things settle in. And then the next day you go, Oh, I get yeah. it now. That's, that's exactly. what they were trying to say. Yeah. And so, no, that's a great question. It's the rabbit hole is easy to go down in medical school. Yeah. I ran into that problem a lot with tutoring and that's why I asked you because, um, you know, I encountered the same thing whenever someone would ask me a question, they they would go, they would have spent, you know, the whole evening trying to learn about the different transporters in the distal convoluted tubule, but they didn't, they haven't learned all the stuff that came before it. And I'm just like, if you just, you know, take, let go of it, you know, like, I know that you really want to know this one piece of information, but just let it go for now trust the process. It will all make sense. It's all going to come together. But like you said, it's really hard for us med students to just kind of let things go because we want to know everything. And there is like a sense of anxiety, you know, like 
it's going to be on the test. What if it's on the test? This would be the one thing that would be on the test, right? Because it's the one thing that I don't know. Um, so I think that you said it well, you know. And that comes with experience too, is just knowing, okay, maybe this is something I can let go versus that's going to be on the test and I need to know it. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask you, oh, so about time management, you mentioned, you know, you had to have meetings with the with the deans and stuff like that fairly often. And then you were also part of the volunteer firefighter department. And that was very unpredictable. So like being you know, being this uh, student government president was probably more predictable, but being woken up in the middle of the night or being called in in the middle of a big study session before an exam is not something that a lot of people would handle as kind of gracefully as you did. How did you kind of overcome that, oh my gosh, this is ruining my, my study session kind of anxiety? Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. Um, It definitely was a source of anxiety at times. Um, And we often would get calls in the middle of the night before tests, uh, especially first year for some reason. Um, It was just one of those things. And you kind of just, I don't know, the adrenaline kicks in, you roll with the punches, and sometimes you get that anxiety and you just kind of have to ground yourself and say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to make it through this. I can do anything. And I think that's some of that that gap year, that experience where I had kind of had the time to grow into myself. I think if I had come, uh, been myself at age 22 coming into it, it wouldn't have been the same uh, response if I got a call at three in the morning the night before a test um, or I was in the middle of a study session and I got pulled out to go to a fire. I, I definitely would have been a lot more anxious, uh, but anxiety was just kind of a piece of the puzzle when things like that happened. I had to learn to cope with it um, using the gym, using those coping mechanisms. My wife was a huge source of somebody who I could talk to about what was going on uh, and just being open and communicating well with others helped me to kind of let that anxiety go um, and and manage through it. Uh, when COVID hit, uh, I would be, I went from probably meeting with the deans a couple hours a week to 20 to 40 hour weeks. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, we would basically try and we were trying to figure out how we were going to make it through. How was the school going to be able to stay open and flip to an online curriculum? And you um, should have been paid. So, you should have been on their payroll. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, uh, I'm thankful for it. It helped, it helped me develop as a leader. And I think that, uh, it definitely was more than I signed up for, but, um, I wouldn't, I would do it again if I had the opportunity. And so, uh, that that change though was it was tough. I had to really adjust to <laughs> how am I going to manage these hours and be as and again it it came to being as efficient with the time that I had as I possibly could be when I had the time. I couldn't waste any yeah. time, um, and and that was a big thing. This is a logistics question that goes mm-hmm. off of that. But are you like a do you have a planner? Do you have like a board? Like, tell me how you stay so organized. I am definitely a planner kind of person, like physical hard copy planner person. I, uh, I have a calendar with me and I would always, I use the big section where like you can write your schedule out. Um, and that was definitely my, my saving grace. I would, uh, 
I would use that non like all the time and just reminders on the phone are key. Um, <laughs> not just at the time of the event, but like 30 minutes before and uh, at the actual time of the event and definitely keeping everything structured and organized. I'm very type A, so I had to have everything there. Good. Okay. Just, and was it color coded? I got to know. No, it is not <laughs> color coded. That w- I, I admire people who color code their, um, all of their binders. I always start planners and then I never follow through with them. Like I'll be really good at planners for like a week. It'll be the best planner anyone's ever seen. And then after a week, just chaotic Michael comes back. <laughs> and, uh, do you, do you have like a, do you use your phone calendar or where, where do you go to after the calendar falls apart? So I had this philosophy in medical school because I was such a planner in undergrad. um, And I really wasn't. I was kind of like, I was kind of chaotic planner. Like I knew kind of when things were going to happen, but I would often let things fall under the rug. One time I missed an entire exam. Um, So I shouldn't like, I shouldn't really like say that, but I mean, just being completely candid, going into medical school, I had this really intense anxiety that I was going to let things fall by the wayside again, um, because that's really what got me in undergrad. Um, I did not do well in undergrad at all. And I did very, very well in medical school. And I think what changed for me was taking things day by day. Mm. Um, I'm the type of person that if I look too far ahead, I get too overwhelmed and it sends me spiraling. Um, So in medical school, I wasn't super involved in anything because I I had to compartmentalize every day. Um, so, you know, I, I knew what I was doing today. It didn't matter what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm doing this today and whatever is going to happen tomorrow will happen. I knew when my exams were obviously my quizzes, but everything else just kind of looked at it later. Um, and I think that like now that I'm entering this new chapter of residency, I am kind of I'm kind of looking at, you know, people like you who are super organized um, because I need to I need to be looking further than just one day ahead. Um, So that's kind of my journey at this moment. So if you have any tips for me, please send them. (laughs) Absolutely. I will send them your way. I I think you made a really good point, though, um, in that. And that's everybody's so different. Um, and you have to do in medical school, what works for you, you're going to get so much advice throughout your journey. And it, it is, it's a learning process of figuring out who you are at that time. How can you most be efficient as a person? And I saw so many other people who are not like me go through a journey differently and that's okay. You can do whatever you want as long as it works for you. And that's the only thing that matters. Um, and, and that's why when people ask me, why were you so involved? It's because that's what I like to do. I get joy out of that. It's not for any other reason than that's what I enjoy. You shouldn't do anything because you think it looks good on a resume or anything like that. You really just need to do it because you like it. And if that's the reason, do it. Go for it. I I would encourage anybody to do whatever they enjoy. And I think that's the whole goal for this podcast, um, just because, you know, I can sit here on in my ivory tower and tell people like, use Anki, don't buy a planner, Um, just like all the things that I did. And those will not work. 
for maybe half of the people. And I honestly just really enjoy learning from other people, which is why I love having these conversations with smart people like you um, who can kind of like fill me in, like tell me what worked for you and maybe it'll help the 1500 people that are listening to this, you know, kind of get through what they're getting through. Um, just a, like a little backstory for like what made me kind of want to start this podcast was every time I would go out with my friends, I would disappear and I would be talking to a stranger, just like asking them every detail about their life. Like, what do they do for work? How much money do they make? Do they have any kids? What are their kids' names? And like, it was just so bizarre. Um, but that's like, people ask me like, why do you have a podcast? Like, why do you have your page? I legitimately just really enjoy learning about other people's lives. And I love taking the tiny lessons that I can learn from people like you and incorporating them into my life. And maybe other people can do that too. So that's just my kind of spiel in case you were wondering, but we can turn this back around (laughs) to you. Uh, Thank you. So, um, I know that you're very passionate about preventative care. We could probably like talk for forever about preventative (laughs) care at another time if you want, if you have any specifics that you wanted to go over on the podcast about preventative care. But I remember you telling me at the pool one time, you were like, I really love preventative care. This is what I want to do. I know I've always known that I wanted to do this. Um, How did you discover that passion? Yeah, that's a a great question. I I don't remember necessarily that that there's no like defining point where I was like, I preventative care is what I want to do um, with my career. Um, but I do remember during medical school knowing um, just deep inside of me, this is what I want. I want to be able to help people. And I remember I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time. Um, and so I, I definitely am in the podcast world of just going through as many podcasts and learning as much from other individuals as I can. Um, and I found myself just listening to all these lifestyle medicine podcasts and I, um, really fell in love with it. And I got advice actually from, um, a preceptor I was rotating with. And they said, once you find the thing that you do at home and it doesn't feel like work, that is what you need to do with the rest of your life. And that was the thing for me. I'd come home, I'd listen to podcasts about lifestyle medicine, I'd read articles and I would just dive into this information. Uh, That's what my brother and I talk about. It's what my dad and I talk about. Um, And I knew that that's something that I could do and I could make an impact on a lot of people. I think it's something that's really needed right now in medicine. Um, We're really good at, here's a problem it's acute. Let's fix that problem with a medication. Let's fix that problem with a procedure. Um, we're a lot less good at medicine at here is something that has been happening for a long time. How can we take steps to change this and how can we prevent problems from happening? You don't get paid well for that. There's no prescription for going outside and walking every day. There's no, so it, it makes it tough and, but it's something I, uh, I really became passionate about. Yeah. And just like you said, the best medicine is free. Um, Walking, eating well. Um, I also am super interested in preventative, preventative health. And one of the things that's so hard about preventative health is that it's really hard to do clinical trials on preventative health things, you know, because it's, it's not like, um, you know, you could just 
track somebody for a hundred years. Obviously we have done centenarian kind of studies and stuff like that, but then it's like, that's kind of in a box. Um, so I always have, I've kind of thought the same thing, um, about preventative health, but like you said today in medicine, we are just kind of treating things as they come and, using kind of critical thinking skills, all of those good things in order to treat our patients. So how did you kind of filter through residency programs and got to that main question, like how are how are they incorporating preventative care into their program, et cetera? Did you ask them outright? I did. I um, So I actually went through a huge debate. I went back and forth between family and internal medicine. Uh, my dad is a family practice doc. Um, and after a long, long debate, I decided to do internal medicine. um, And I was interviewing at programs. um, And I had never really heard of internal medicine programs that have a primary care tract. Um, But it's something that exists. And it's something a lot of people don't know about. Um, So they typically specialize your training and do more outpatient rotations while you still get the hospital training. Um, And they really work on making sure that you're prepared for the clinic or whatever you end up wanting to do, but putting an emphasis on the primary care and preventative health. Um, And so I did ask people pretty straight up about all the aspects of their clinic. Um, What does resident clinic look like for you? What does the teaching look like in your clinic? how do you place an emphasis on preventative health and lifestyle uh, medicine? And program directors were pretty straight up. They're very honest. I had people tell me that's our biggest weakness. I had people tell me we do a really good job of of it and here's how we do it. Not just, hey, we do this, no examples. Um, and, And I would encourage anybody in an interview, ask for those examples. If they just say, hey, no, we do a great job okay, how? Um, or if they say we we aren't the best at that, but we would love for you to come here and help us develop that, that's not a bad thing. It's just what do you want to do? Do you want to be that person to come in and, and try and help a program um, change and make that impact? And so interviews are for you as much as they are for, for the program. Use that. Uh, they gave you an interview because you met their requirements. Um, you hit those bottom line requirements and you deserve a spot in their program. So ask the questions that you want to know. Um, learn that information. And so, yeah, pe- people did an amazing job. And my program that I'm at, I actually got to rotate in the resident clinic before deciding to come uh, or t- before I ranked them. Um, and so I, I had a great experience in the clinic and, uh, I'm excited to see kind of where where it goes in the next couple of years. And how important would you say that rotation was for you? It was huge. Uh, yeah. a, a lot of people will say for internal medicine, family medicine, uh, auditions aren't necessarily that important. And while they, they are definitely right to some degree, um, I think that they can be really helpful for you to learn. Is this the place for me? Do I fit in? We've all had that feeling where it's on a college tour and you're like, oh, this is the this is the place for me. And, and that was a huge thing for me was getting to meet the residents that I'm going to work with for the next three years, um, getting to see what the preceptors are like, how, how are they teaching you? Are they teaching all the time? How does their learning style compare to yours? Do you get along? Um, I got a lot out of it from a medical student perspective too, just learning. Uh, Sometimes in Kingsport, uh, we didn't have the best rotations all the time. Um, We had a lot of good rotations, but uh, being in a resident clinic, I I was able to learn a ton um, and I feel very fortunate. 
Yeah, I think that auditions definitely changed the game. And by what you were saying, that they're not completely necessary. It's it's not that they're it's not that they're necessary, you know, to match, but it is kind of necessary to to match at a place that you know that you'll feel comfortable and that on, you know, that third week of March when you decide or you get that match letter that says where you're going to be training, you can say okay, like I've been there at least, you know, like I, I thought back to some of my friends who were matching at places that they had never set foot in. And I just, I felt anxious for them um, because I am such kind of like a a planner. I need to know kind of what's going on that I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. It would be really hard. Um, It's possible and people do it all the time, Um, but it, it was really nice to know, okay, I know the hospital. I know my way around. I, am comfortable there. I have relationships with the attendings. So I definitely think that that's huge. And and I do think that it helps you if you go to an audition and you work your butt off, you're going to get ranked higher than you were before just looking at a resume. 100%. Um, yeah, you can you can make a huge impact in any field on an audition. And and that's I mean, believe in yourself, know that you're going to put the work in and go do it. It's it's a month of your life or and and you can do anything. So. Yeah. And you don't have to know everything. That's another thing that I, I get asked about all the time. How do I prepare? How do I prepare for, for auditions? You don't, you don't need to prepare, have a good pair of dress pants and a nice shirt for day one. And if they tell you to wear scrubs from then on wear scrubs, but just come in and be hardworking. If you have an interview during one of your auditions, tell them that you're going to make it up, come in on the weekend. Um, ask permission, but ask permission in a way that's not, it's more like you're, you're just going to come in anyway. Um, things like that just work really, really hard. Um, that's all they want. They want a good attitude. They want to see your personality and in, mm-hmm. in your attitude and how hard you work. I got uh, feedback at the end of one of my rotations and they said, I just asked the questions to watch you squirm because I know you're not going to know the answer to some of my crazy questions that I'm asking you. I want to just see how hard you work and that's what matters. And, and that was a piece of advice from a program director like that. They, they're really just, they want to see your personality. Do you fit in with the team and those things? So definitely could not agree more. Yeah. So was there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Maybe something that was, you know, crucial for your whole your whole journey that we didn't touch on at all? I guess the only thing I, that comes to mind is for people who do go get their master's before medical school, um, I definitely think that it is a, a beneficial thing if you're looking at doing it. Um, it was an experience that I got to take medical school courses while I was in my master's program. I really got to kind of have a slow taste of medical school rather than diving all in at once. And I think that for me, that was a really helpful thing. It's not for everybody, but if you're looking at doing it, um, talk to somebody who's been in those shoes before, see what it was like and see if you think that that would be something beneficial for you. Don't hesitate to to apply and get that experience of the interview um, and see what the program's like. They have a lot of resources and can help you get into medical school uh, and give you that opportunity to prove yourself if there is something on your resume that's holding you back. That's, that's normal. We are all humans. We make mistakes. But if you think that you can get through medical school and that is what you want, go for it. Definitely go prove yourself. Yeah, I love that. I almost did a master's program, fun fact. And then I got into DCOM and I, did, I opted out of it. Um, it was a whole long 
really chaotic journey. My whole life is chaotic right now. So maybe that's why this interview has been so chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) So this brings us to the final segment of the show, our final Rex, where we send you off with something that our guest really loves that they would like to recommend to you. This can be anything from a resource, a book, a movie, a game, a website, an activity, literally anything medicine or non-medicine related that you really love, Max, that you want to share with our listeners. I would go with my favorite podcast. Um, it is called The Drive. Uh, Peter Atia is a MD physician who was in a surgical oncology fellowship uh, program and then uh, ended up deciding to leave residency in his fifth year. Um, he left left the world of medicine completely and then came back into the world of medicine and uh, is a lifestyle I guess is one of the best words to describe it. He would probably hate that term, Um, but uh, it's a really, really good resource. Actually, it was mandated for one of my rotations to listen to some of the the, uh, podcasts on lipidology, but um, he's got everything you could think about lifestyle-wise on there. He brings in experts from all around uh, the medical field, and they talk about exercise, nutrition, um, protein for building muscle mass. Um, talk about all of these things that are really important. Um, and just for everyday people, they're not just speaking for physicians, they're speaking for anybody. Um, and he also wrote a book, but, uh, I would definitely recommend that podcast. It, it is, if you like to nerd out about lifestyle medicine, you will love this podcast. Uh, it's called the drive. It's on Spotify, iTunes, any of the, uh, normal standard podcast platforms. I will definitely be checking that out. That sounds right up my alley. And thank you again for coming on the show. I'm sorry that I said family medicine. I don't know why I said that. Um, (laughs) You're fine. (laughs) It's because I went back and forth for so long. (laughs) That must have been it. Um, It's totally not my fault. Just kidding. It's totally my (laughs) fault. Alrighty. So I hope that you guys enjoyed that. It was an amazing talk. I... Hopefully we'll have him on again if he will come back and we can talk about whatever you guys want to hear about. So if you have questions for him, send them to me and he will come back on the podcast and we will get through all of your questions. So thank you so much. Drop a five-star rating interview. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Follow me on Instagram at dear.do.pod. If you haven't yet, check out my website, deardopod.com. I have all of my guides from medical school for every exam from every system. So it's a very great resource that I am providing to you guys for absolutely free. So I hope to see you guys here again next time. Adios.